Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Just stone cold set up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong, or as strong as we can, I guess, with another off-season edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's waste no time getting into the festivities this week, and let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you this week, sir? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Good, man. I had a breakfast taco from Rudy's this morning. I'm doing Oh, wonderful. nice. <laughs> uh, and delicious. A man who Beautiful knows day. about good breakfast tacos, good food. <laughs> Uh, basically anything you want to know because he is the Renaissance man, not just here on the Blitz, but on 1049 The Horn, where you can get him each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever he gets that T-ring in, folks, I promise he will wear it proudly. <laughs> Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member, a black card member of DBU, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Rod, how are you? Thanks for the intro, brother. I appreciate it as always. A little, uh, little interesting nugget I found, uh, oh, nugget of information, Rod, I found cleaning out my office. So my oh, wife nice. my wife decided that at 35 I need to have my office look like you know, somebody that man. is in a career works there. Not yeah, a, that it's not a teenager's like hideout. Yeah. It's an actual office. <laughs> it's like Tom Hanks's room from Big. <laughs> Pretty much <laughs> toys. So Rod Rod's seen yeah. my my office. Yeah. Um, so I I was like, look, I need to just go through and throw away a bunch of like old media guys and stuff, just taking up space. Just go through and start trashing stuff. And I put a box, you know, some stuff in a box. I'm like, yeah, maybe my nephews will enjoy this. They're getting to the age. Oh, where, you, oh so there you know, go. They like, that is cool. And they're reading about sports stuff. So like, maybe they'll enjoy some of these books and yeah. whatnot. So I found, Rod, in my menagerie of stuff, the 2003 Texas Football Spring Media Guide. And you're saying, 2003, oh, nice. Jeff, Rod was gone. Yes. I was. I was out. But it did have Rod's senior salute. Rod, would you like to run down what John Bianco and the good folks wrote about you in the senior <laughs> salute following I like your departure? I don't know if I would have known. I love John Bianco. Well, good man. I don't know if he would have. Yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't know what he would have said about me, and I did not endorse any of this. So, yes, please. All right. Well, he, is it, just, is this the first time this, you've this ever heard I've never heard this, and I've never <laughs> even noticed this, existed. This was your last official height and weight from the University of Texas. Okay. 5'10", 187. Mm. Which they, they at least shaved an inch off. Would give them, I'll give them props because, yeah, I measured at the combine with five, eight, and three quarters, so yep. they still gave me an inch. So I appreciate it. Every inch counts. Somehow, so magi- magically, in the in the 2000 season, you were like 5'11", 190. I was. So. I, got, I got shorter. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the lower ground was that at was Texas. That was the shaving. <laughs> when I first got there, I was like 6'1". <laughs> <laughs> it was like jammer, basically. <laughs> and by by this time, you were full of you were no longer six five though. You were no longer you were no longer you were no longer Roderick at this point. You were just Rod. I was Rod, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so three year starter and four year letter winner, played in fifty career games with forty starts, including the last thirty eight games of his career. 
So action of four bowl okay. games, 2000 and 2003 Cotton Bowls, 2000 and 2001 Holiday Bowls. Man. 2002 third team All-American, including by the AP and the Sporting News. That's officially recognized by the NCAA, nice. folks. Boom. Give it up. That ain't yeah. just like me See? making a list of All-Americans. That's like legit publication. That's legit right there, Bill. I'm going to tell my girlfriend when I get home today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sit and text me that, by the way. 2002 Thorpe Award semifinalist, as we point out a lot here on that the That was show. a hell of a DB class, I will say that, too. Yeah. That DB class was loaded. Troy Palomalo, Mike Doss, Terrence Newman. Dude, if that had been a different DB class, I probably would have got drafted like a round higher. That DB class was loaded. Asante yeah. Samuel. He went after me. Namdi Asamoah, yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah, you had a loaded. <laughs> Dennis <laughs> Weathersby, who was shot in the back. Wow. And it was in a hospital bed, almost dead. I'm not joking. I'm not saying that jokingly. He was drafted ahead of me because they thought he was a better player. Yes, folks. If you ever want some Rod <laughs> Babers trivia. That is a real fact. It's crazy. Rod, that is not crazy. You know your biography. It's disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> Rod was drafted after a guy who, on draft weekend, literally was shot. <laughs> That's nuts. Was. When he was drafted, he was in the hospital recovering from a bullet. Have y'all a seen bullet. the they still have running of Nandi Asamoah in a library. Like it's this is like the Nandi from like his like his two years yeah. in, like young. I remember that Nandi. They're still one yeah. circulating. If you watch late night like ESPN or ESPN, so Rob the, Cin- the Cincinnati Bengals had a conversation. Said, okay, we got some Babers. <laughs> Are we going to take? They the, had to have or, me on the board. Or are we going to take the guy on the morphine trip right now? <laughs> that guy is just a flesh wound. He'll be all right. It's like major. It's like major <laughs> league. Like this guy here is dead. Cross <laughs> him off then. No, seriously. <laughs> like, no, really. The Bengals. Hey, you know what? The Bengals screwed up. All right, because I don't think he was that good anyway. It was basically yeah, a toss that, up. All that's right, so, more of an indictment of the Bengals. <laughs> so Rod's other uh, accolades and his senior salute: 2002 first team All Big Twelve, 2002 oh. UT co outstanding defensive back. Oh, I didn't know that. Shared that with Nathan Vasher. Yeah, maybe. of course. Yeah. Uh, ranks third. This is when you left school, Rod. Third on UT's career pass breakups chart. Yeah, I think now I'm still 49. top five, but I'm still yeah. Return like, return three of five career interceptions for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a team high tw- a team high twenty one pass breakups as a senior, number three on the all time single season list. Uh, UT secondary mm-hmm. ranked among the top twenty nationally in passing and total defense. Each of his three years as a starter. Helped UT to its NCAA-leading 88.3 pass efficiency rating in oh, yes. 2000. Also blocked three kicks, two punts, one field goal during E-B-U. his career. Oh, yeah, that I did block a lot of kicks. one was on the other day. Yeah. I recorded oh, was it? it? Yeah, no. I, I, I got to start recording the... those LHN games when, yeah, they, when they've it's They've been me. showing a lot of random ones. Like, a lot of those, like, any Mac era random game against good team. And it was like that Aggie 03 game where you, I mean, literally – Nobody blocks, and you almost take yeah. the ball straight off. Of I them really, and Tony Jeffrey. I, yeah, I don't even. I probably should have been able to almost catch it because you're right. Nobody you, blocked me. It oh was yeah, so you weird. went straight into the. I mean, you. It was yeah. the easiest. It's a great picture block. that I have of me, like with my arms crossed. Nice. Like it literally is like looking at my eyes. My eyes like staring at the ball. And then you blocked the pick. punter too. <laughs> <laughs> Not only yeah, his really? ball, but you blocked yeah, the yeah. punter Here's, as well. Yeah, Tony Jeffrey, you know what's interesting, Rod? Tony Jeffrey. I don't know if players would have these kinds of stories about big plays that they made, but it seems like all the big plays you made in your career at Texas, it seemed almost like you could see it for you, like moving in slow motion. Like, wow, am I like, am I really supposed to be unblocked? Like going this after true. this punt? I agree. I agree. Or like the fake punt against Colorado? Like, are they really? Are about they really? To throw it? They must think I'm a scrub. Like, I must have been like the in the, in the <laughs> and I really must have the game plan. Like, oh no, we're going there too. When it guys a scrub, it's like Dude. really, you're not gonna block me, Aggies. I'm coming right through. Really. In was, addition to it, it's though, crazy. It's I weird how that. old weird. we're getting that. Like, there's this whole mythological aspect of like it took like ESPN Classic basically like bust ended all these like myths and people were wondering, oh well, you know this 
game they played in the eighties was just great. All these Lakers. Yeah, and stuff. you watch, watch it now, it, you go, and you're like, what the? And you, if you watch <laughs> offense now, in just fifteen years ago, compared to back then, I mean, and it, they talk about it throughout. Like the Longhorns had a very groundbreaking offense with Sims, but it still looks like an antiquated offense at times across the point. board. So what? Some of these plays, I think it might just be the skill level of throwing wasn't good on some of those, and you got a punter throwing the ball. I agree that, that he just air airmails that one up. I agree with that. And then your interception of the Oklahoma game, where again you had to argue with the Minnesota Vikings about what coverage you were in. I was in man to man. We just played. We had the uh, the and buddy Danielson, system going. He we had to, it on the call. Yeah, we were playing inside outside. So his my receiver went inside, basically made me a zone player, and then he tried to run the real route on me. Uh, the running back. And and you can blame Gary Danielson for all of it. Yeah. He's the one that said it on I know. the know. I was a man. I was like, no, I, why would I be covering a running back, you idiots? Like, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a cornerback. Unless we were zoning up that principle, which we did. Mm-hmm. You know. Try to sneak Ronaldo works out on Rod B. Yeah, because I remember the running back was, he was offset, and he was basically like, uh, he was positioned like kind of close to the, like the, the end man at the line of scrimmage. And then my receiver was tight. Like, he was basically playing a flex right outside that tackle, and I was like, all right, I think it was Lee Jackson maybe that was there, and I was like, hey, we buddy, 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 buddy. And the linebacker was notorious for not listening. You got to <laughs> yell at him, like, buddy, hey, buddy. They gotta, I remember good. Coach Boris like, no, they, gotta, they have to look back at you so you know that they understand it's a buddy because linebackers, they got – man, I love them, but they got so much going on, dude, and they're just – they are bricks sometimes trying mm-hmm. to get through to them. So it was a buddy system. My guy went inside, which was the drag route. I think Lee Jackson takes him, if I'm not mistaken – yeah, or Dakari Pearson. It could be one of those guys. And then my the running back runs a real route. I got the wheel route. Nice little concept though. Oklahoma drew up on that. It was like the oh, it was a brilliant drag, concept. Like double slant. Oh yeah, it was great. It really behind. was. It was it was a great concept. But we had already been ready. We were ready for it. I mean, yeah. we had seen them do that a few times. Yeah, it was funny about that. I was talking to uh, Andrew Beck at Pro Day about my my favorite play in terms of design uh, was in the Oklahoma State game last year, and they were down around the red zone and they run like they will show power stretch action. You remember mm. this, and then Sam kind of pulls back and does a little jump pass to Andrew yeah. Beck, who's wide open. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh man, I love that!" Like now we're starting to see yeah. the evolution of this offense, where now you've got these base concepts, almost kind of like the Brian Harson philosophy. Okay, mm-hmm. now you got your base concepts down. Now we're going to add some funk. The we're gonna, counters. We're going to show you this, oh, and then boom, hit yep. you with the other thing. Yep. And I remember talking to Andrew Beck, and I think he said in the Big Twelve championship game against Oklahoma, they tried to run it again. Or was it the Oklahoma game? I don't remember. He said they tried to run it like tw- twice more. But he said both times, like, hey, watch the tight end, watch the tight end. Like, yeah, he's like, yeah, there was no, no chance that was happening. No, no, I remember 2017, one of those concepts was, was it the Chris Warren wheel yes. route they would run off of? Like, you know, they'd cut, all the action would go one way, whether it be a, a stretch or mm-hmm. a power play, and then they would have the, have the running back kind of leak out of the backfield. Love that. I love Will. I'm a big fan of Will Rouse. They, so, by the way, is Sean McVay. Sean McVay loves to work. That's why he likes those running backs yeah. that can that can get out and, and, and get him past. And pass, the explosive in the play created game. by yeah. scheme. And normally, whenever you're Can't trying. Can't see Chiefs with a lot of Will Rouse. And normally, scheme doesn't get you big, huge chunk like 50-yard plays unless you have a Tyreek Hill or somebody that then has the skill. For Will Rouse, is totally to an open side on the backside yeah. of a defense. It's like the Sam it Ellinger is. throwback to Sam Ellinger pass that, you know, you see all the different teams doing now to the quarterback. Quarterback, you look back at it. It's like That's Sam right. Ellinger's it the same principle. It, yep, and it's yeah. literally five for five, and he's like ten yards per target every time he's ever targeted. I agree with that. Yeah, uh, what I like about Texas, Tom Herman loves the wheel route. 
He does. Loves, like you go Big back to watching him at U of yeah. H when he was play calling at Ohio State. Loves the wheel route. The slow developing one too, where yeah. it takes it's got two seconds of the action mm-hmm. going one way, and then there's that leak. It's like if it's a linebacker on him, throw it. Throw yeah, the throw two it. games <laughs> I really remember. I remember. I believe they scored on it. Well, Herman's last year at Houston. I believe they scored on it in the Oklahoma game. And the Louisville game where they just where they pounded Louisville. I think they stacked Lamar Jackson like nine, ten times. Didn't Trey Watson won a couple this year? Like those, last were, year? those were Duke Catalan. Keontae Ingram scored on a wheel route in the Oklahoma State I think game. I remember Keontae mm-hmm. Ingram on one. And I think Trey Watson ran one. Trey Watson yep, scored on a wheel route in the Oklahoma Southern. game, the first Oklahoma game. Yeah, there you go. No, no, he does. I love the wheel route, too. It's great. It's just misdirection. That's all it is. And, and But he does it. You, we've seen him do it different ways, Rod. Like he will run kind of like that Oklahoma concept where it's a double slant or a drag and a mm-hmm. post to base pull the safeties and then leak him out. The Chris Warren one, what I remember about that, that was more, it was almost like a max protect look with the delayed release. It was. It was I don't know if it was a fake to Chris Warren, but you're right. It was a delayed. It was a delay of something. Like he basically blocked or something. I don't know. Yeah, if I got to go back sh- and look It's almost at it. like they showed like a max protect look. It was really slow. And then just yeah. he leaked out. Yeah. I agree with that. No, no. I love those concepts, man. I'm a big fan of And I think you see the same innovative team, like the uh, Saints run the wheel routes because they have the running backs, Alvin mm-hmm. Kamara. And it, you know what I mean? I think you see the teams who have those, those running backs who. Tom Herman likes those guys too, of course. Uh, you're looking at uh, Trey Watson, and and now we're talking about Jordan Whittington. Keontae Ingram can do it too. They can get out and be a part of the passing game. They're not a wasted asset in the passing yeah. game. As a matter of fact, you better make sure your linebackers are, are peaking. And, and that can also be a distraction for other plays now. Yeah. Once you utilize them as an asset, you can utilize them as like Reggie Bush famously used to do on almost every other play when he wasn't getting the ball. You got like, ah, damn, now we got to worry about whatever Reggie Occupy Bush is doing. Occupy the backside of the defense exactly. for the, at least the conscious least of their mind. At least they'll be slow to the, to the front side of the play, and whatever it I is. I mean, watching yeah. all your Texas teams the biggest thing that we'd always be worried about as fans were, oh, watch the misdirection because there's the only possible way that they can make a big play against Our Texas. Our speed going too so far. Yeah, everybody's over yeah, overrunning the play. And they get you the on the backside. And yep. then now, like, basically, if you're a good coach with the way that you have these route trees and just the natural momentum, there's already somebody always countering or going a against built that, in fail safe. that you need to always have that yep. trailing tight end to go back to the Oh, that safety week. a little bit late getting to that, that exactly. you know what I mean, to that nine route because he's like, oh, what's going on over here? What's mm-hmm. going on? On the backside, you are so like don't waste the backside of a play. It's just a no. Yeah, that's, exactly. yeah. that's one of the things, Rod. Go to Matt's point, and I, I think we're, I think this, I think it's pretty clear this week. We're just going to talk about very some, West Coastian because uh, I'm finishing up my uh, kind of my offseason snapshot. Look at the offense this week into this weekend. I'll, I'll finish that up with the offensive line. Um, so I just wanted to talk just kind of big picture stuff on mm-hmm. offense and concepts and things yeah. like that. Rod, that was one thing your last year, your senior year in that Oklahoma game, especially in the second half, Matt talking about misdirection, Oklahoma ran the hell out of that draw play with Quentin Griffin. Like, yep. they love Quentin Griffin on the draw or the counter. Yep, love using action. him on that. Yeah. And, and Mark Mangino was one of those play callers that are like, well, if it, if it works, why am I going to go to something different? Yeah, we can't mm-hmm. block Texas really one-on-one, so why try? Not saying they couldn't do it. I think they could. It was like, well, why try? That's working – Harder, not smarter. Least Let them come up field. Let them do their thing. They want to be athletes, and then wherever they're going, just push them in that direction. And then we got a really good running back who's really hard to see. By the way, he's like five foot six. Yes. All right. So he's really hard to see and really hard to and grab. He's just gonna cut behind. He's just gonna cut behind a lineman and find a quick little little sliver of daylight. And that's exactly what they did. And then we had the linebackers to be able to recover because we had speedy linebackers. You had Derek Johnson. Um, you know, I don't know if Eric Eric Rawls is still a bear. No, but Lee then. Jackson was a linebacker at that point. It was, yeah. yeah. So you got linebackers, but it's just, man, I mean, three, four yards, though. Yeah. yeah, before you get to them, and that's just enough. That's all they needed. Mm-hmm. 
Going back to the Texas offense, one thing, and we talked about this a little bit when we talked about uh, you know the spring game and some one of the little things we could see in the spring game. Mm-hmm. And I know I just talked about Andrew Beck, and I, I liked Andrew Beck as a player a hey, lot. Hey, Bill Belichick does too. Yes, <laughs> uh, and, and became <laughs> Bill Belichick's a fan. Became, became a, va- a valued <laughs> asset, but you know right. there one thing Tom Herman really likes to do, and I think it goes back to his core philosophy mm-hmm. as a play caller, which is really. Right, it's really rooted in that Greg Davis eleven personnel look. Yes, that's it is really the basis of. And Tom Herman's grown it; he's evolved it. But that really what it goes back to is that Greg Davis. Sean McVay also personnel. loves that right. philosophy. Yes. Yeah, and Make everything looked the same. Which really, I oh gosh, I wish I could be a fly on the wall when Sean McVay was here in the spring and yeah. chopping up the offensive staff. Yeah, but you look at that one thing Tom Herman loves to do. They his first year they did it on third down a lot. And last year, they were much better, not just doing it on third down, but sometimes when they wanted to go no huddle, hurry up, mm-hmm. they would take their 11 personnel and shift to an empty set. Yep. You know, however you want to do it. You want to go, you know, bunch trips and twins on one mm-hmm. side or however you want to do it. You yeah. want to go four by one or whatever. Triangle trips. You right. Go, yeah. <clears throat> they love going. They love shifting from 11 personnel going to empty. And you think back to t- to the first year of this offense, and this just shows you the not just the use of personnel, but the personnel you have now. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to think of, okay, how is this offense going to evolve, this is one way they're going to do it. Go back to 2017, and when you shifted from 11 personnel to empty, your running back and tight end in that formation was probably either going to be Cade Brewer as a true freshman mm-hmm. or Kendall Moore, and your running back was probably going to be Kyle Porter. Yeah. Not advantageous, Rod, if you're, if that's your no, no. empty set. Because Kyle, two of them are not a threat to me as a defender. Like I don't feel threatened. At right. All. Yeah. But now you think about, and we saw it last year because Trey Watson was really good. He was really Andrew good. Andrew Beck was really good. Mm-hmm. But now, when you look at their base eleven personnel offense, and now the ability to shift to an empty set whenever you want, if you want to do it in no huddle, hurry up situations, you want to make that your third down look, whatever. Now you've got Colin Johnson on the field as a senior, Devin Duvernay on the field as a senior. We'll see what happens with that H position. Maybe it's Josh Moore. Maybe it's Jake Smith. Maybe situationally it could be Malcolm Epps. Hell, I don't know. They'll figure it out, though. They'll have somebody out there at H. Cade Brewer as a junior now who's almost two year and a half, two years removed from the knee injury. I think everybody expects Cade Brewer to have a big year. I think he showed in his first two years that he's he's a – Comp, uh, more than a competent blocker, yeah. which is what you want from a young guy. Now right. you just need to see him become a 5 tool guy that can stretch Right. And to your point about the running back component, now you take your running back in that empty set, wow. and now it's either Keontae Ingram yeah. or Jordan Whittington. Nah. Now, as a defense, okay, I've got to account for all five guys yeah. in this formation. If you put that guy out wide and a cornerback can't go, all right, I'm going to cheat to try to rob the inside receiver. Like you yeah. can't cheat when you got Jordan Whittington out there if he's going to be the number one receiver, the receiver close to the sideline if you're counting outside in. And same thing with Keontae Ingram. I think he's proven enough that he's a credible threat on the outside as a pass receiver, whether you're running the screen with him or whether you're, you know, you're going to try to run a nine route with him matched up on a linebacker. So I, I'm with you. And I think that's why the Jake Smith commitment is really big. And that's why I think Jake Smith is going to end up being that H guy. Because ideally, to what you're saying, the 11 personnel, right? We talk about Sean McVay ran it 90% of the time in the NFL. He ran 11 personnel, one tight end, one running back. 
and everybody's like, man, that's it's 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 uh, that's revolutionary because mm-hmm. he basically runs a lot of different formations, but with one personnel package. Your personnel package is your eleven, your twenty-one, your twenty, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So same personnel package. That's one tight end, one running back, but the formations are all over the place. You know what I mean? Sometimes he's running, like you said, sometimes it's four by one, sometimes it's two by two, sometimes we're running empty set, and you got everybody spread out five wide. And that's why Jake Smith is important because, bless you, he's one of those guys um, that can, you know, if he, you know, if he's lined up in the backfield initially before you start, they say you shift to, to empty and you start him out in the backfield along with G- Jordan Whittington or Keontae Ingram. I mean, think about the matchup nightmare that creates. Yes. Then you shift out and then not only is everybody on the field a credible receiving threat, but there's at least two mismatches out there. Right. Colin Johnson, majority of the time, whoever's lined up on him, that's a matchup. That like that's a mismatch or it's advantageous to you. Now, if they're in, if they're gonna guard him one on one, well hell, that's easy. If he's one on one, then that's his Mr. Fifty fifty. All right. Fifty mm-hmm. percent of the time you target him, it's a first down or a touchdown. But then let's say the, the you know, Jake Smith inside and they put a safety on him. <laughs> or they start to put a linebacker on him. If they don't put anybody other than their nickel back on Jake Smith in the slot, well, that's a win. What they decide to adjust by putting the linebacker on the running back. Say the linebacker, Jordan Williams, is matched up on a linebacker because he was running back. Oh, that's a win. So it's all, honestly, it's all set up for Sam to kind of, the way you set it up, where, hey, man, we're going to go 11 personnel, but we're going to be, they're going to be so multiple in their skill sets. Guys like Jake Smith, Malcolm Epps, I think is another one of those guys, too. They got to start using Colin Johnson in the slot more because I think he could be a nightmare matched up on a safety or a nickel. It's all going to be up to Sam to go, okay. Scan the field. Who? Oh, linebacker on Jordan Whittington. Easy. There you go. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, Jake Smith, you got a safety on you? Easy. Oh, Colin Johnson, one-on-one? <laughs> Easy. You know what I mean? Like It's it's almost making it simpler for Sam now with exactly. all of these weapons. No, then that's the thing with the idea behind what McVay's doing is when you just have your simple 11 personnel, it's almost as if you after you do all the research, it's like, okay, well, this is the way I can get the defensive grouping that I want to attack the most. because, yep. And it's only because you have to have the five skill guys on your offense that you trust to be able to do all the jobs. Like you have yep, to have exactly. very athletic tight ends to be able to yep. go outside. You have to have pass catching running backs. So you have to have guys that can then manipulate once they get that mismatch and go do all the well-rounded aspects of their game that they have across the board. And that's the big difference that some teams might not be able to be afforded. The Cowboys don't get that. Yes. They the Cowboys don't, <laughs> don't understand that yet, and it's but big. Kellen Moore will. Yeah. And that's the big difference whenever you look at Texas because, like you said, very few college teams can have that type of luxury to where yeah, you can go that and have personnel. Games. Exactly, and you could be able to do that and get that mismatch. It's so big because then, like we were talking earlier, how it, you, you see that you run the play one time and then next two times they're yelling, they're identifying, we know what they're playing, we got it, we got it. Well, you don't have no, it against don't. these because they have eight <laughs> variations of each ones, and yep. that's where if you can give that show, that shows only to deceive to make them think they know what you're running just because they've seen this print pre-snap in their mind. Not necessarily the case, though, when you have all the multiple skill sets at all the positions. And, and that's the beauty of it, right? So you get that you get that set up where you have Jake Smith on the field, uh, Jordan Whittington on the field, and then just those two guys being on the field at once. Let's say one plays the H, or hey, you don't have to know who's playing the H, mm-hmm. all right? But when I come out, hell, I can set up in 21. Like, I can set up with that group. I can shift, mm-hmm. down, like, within the down. Yeah. I can now go, oh, you guys going to put six DBs on the field? 
All right, guys, let's shift it. That's 21. Let's go two backs. Let's just run this damn thing. You can be the lead blocker. And then we're going to have Cade. We'll have Cade Brewer come back. A.O. Work is the H back of the tight end. There's so many different things you can do based on how the defense wants to defend it. That's why he likes multiple guys. That's why he likes guys with multiple skill sets. That's the beauty of Jordan Whittington, the beauty of Jake Smith, having Keontae Ingram be a guy that can be a pass receiver. The Patriots won the Super Bowl with it. We talked about it, right? They come out in 21 personnel, uh, 22 personnel, and that only touchdown scoring drive. But what they do, they went five wide. Yep. They went five wide, empty formation, but they did it with 21 personnel. And that was the one thing that Wade Phillips wasn't ready for because there have only been 11 times all season long where a team in the NFL, all 32 teams, all 17 weeks, has only been, had only been 11 times that entire season where a team came out in 22 personnel, two running backs, two tight ends, and went five wide. Mm-hmm. So Belichick had to go to the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of that playbook to try to find something to be able to discombobulate Wade Phillips. And to me, that, that's the future of football in a nutshell. It, it really is. It's just all about matchups. And the Patriots were able to, clar- with clarity, um, they were able to single out different match and compartmentalize for Tom Brady different matchups. And when Gronk's on a – if they got a linebacker on Gronk, it's like, well – of course I'm throwing and it to Gronk. You're making the defense identify. <laughs> and once you yeah. make that defense identify, they aren't defensive. Now you're the one being able to set basically the matchup that you want. It seems pretty simple. But like you said, everybody can't do it. Like no. I don't know. Baylor can't really do that just yet. They don't have the, the guys who the Iowa State can't do that. Texas, Bama, there are a few – Schools in the country that can have that luxury to play that <laughs> yeah, style. Yeah, the okay, Patriots so can split out any running back and have all three running backs be receivers. Still be receivers. <laughs> exactly. So, well, let's look at it from this standpoint, right? If we're talking about how this Texas offense is going to evolve, we've seen Tom Herman kind of going back to Greg Davis' philosophy. Greg Davis, a lot of times, it was about matchups. And mm-hmm. hey, look, Roy Williams is better than any corner you can put on the field. That's a great point. You don't have anybody that can check Jordan Shipley. I'll put him wherever. You don't have anybody that can run with this guy. Nope. But we saw sometimes with the Greg Davis offense, when the talent leveled out, you either had to have exceptional scheme, say the 2008 Oklahoma game, yep, we, or yep. sometimes if you just got 10 back there taking the snaps, that's the equalizer for everything. That also mm-hmm. helps. you know. Yeah. So in that standpoint, going back to your point, right, about football going to more matchup-oriented, a more matchup-oriented chess match, if yeah. you will. Especially in the Big 12, do you think it's going to get to a point where defensive coordinators, and you've got some good defensive minds in the Big 12. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Tom Orlando, John Heacock, yep. you know, Matt Rule and that staff at Baylor. Is it going to get to a point where you just say, look, conceptually, there's nothing new you can throw at us that we haven't seen yet that we're not going to be prepared for? And that's where tempo yeah. comes in. With the main thing with that, it reminds me totally of why you see these teams in basketball right now wanting to push pace because it's mm-hmm. the only time that a defense isn't set. So, like, we played football forever where you had your traditional five-step or seven-step drops, and you go back and you're basically giving a time clock to the defense, and they only have to defend a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. and they're already set. Well, the only best way to defeat that is with tempo. Don't ever let them be set. And basically, it's like a basketball game in transition the entire time that in transition you can get an easy bucket that's everybody's over like 50 percent at minimum in transition because you get up against the unset defense and that's what we're seeing right now with spread offenses against defenses and why you push the tempo when you get in these mismatches and have the wrong substitution groups in there you'll be able to get your guys and then snap the ball and the thing is is now instead of walking backwards five steps you have the 
quarterback already assessing a defense and getting the ball out as fast as possible. And that's why we talk about Drew Brees, such a quick release, but also mentally to get rid of it inside of a three. Or you see some of them, he was averaging like 2.5 seconds getting rid of a ball for all mm-hmm. of his snaps in a game, which is yeah. just out of this world. But think about it. It's because that's still in the chaos when the defense isn't set. And if you're in your mind able to do this and be able to just compute like a master computer these defenses that you're seeing and then get the ball out and then run up there and do it again before they can ever get set it's inside that chaos and it's like a constant transition game in basketball and you get your easiest defenses strictly because of that you're never allowing them to be their defense and the integrity's never ever based in it yeah, the second right. you slow down it really changes my, and that's what you're going to see in the my point is my point is i think we're starting to see defensive coordinators just that like todd orlando has periods in practice where they just work on getting lined up yeah. Like yeah. get lined up as That's fast what as I'm you can. Talking about right so there. at some point, Rod, or the defenses—I hate the term catch up—but our defense is going to get to a point where, look, you can tempo us, you can scheme us. There's nothing that we haven't seen that we're not prepared for when we go into a game. And then the equalizer becomes, yeah, well, I've got Colin Johnson, and you don't have anybody that can match up on six six two twenty when I throw a jump ball to the outside. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with. I don't I, I don't mm-hmm. need scheme or tempo to do that. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think the what it comes down to, especially in the, this is why the Big Twelve is a great you know it's a great uh, kind of experimental ground for this because mm-hmm. I truly believe the future of football uh, offensively is being played in the Big Twelve. I think the NFL agrees with me. That's why they tried to poach Matt Rule and Matt Campbell and Lincoln Riley and they and they love Cliff Kingsbury. The future. That's why they love Patrick Mahomes and Baker. And for the future of offensive football is in the Big Twelve. We all know that. I don't. I don't think I'm jumping out on the limb there. Mm. But I think if that is the case, then based on evolutionary adaptation, the future of defense is also being played yep. in the Big 12. Right. You know, I truly really believe that. It's forced. Yeah. It, it, out of, out of, it, just, it just has to happen that yes. way because it's like, well, how do I adapt? I got to do something. And you got really good, off, good defensive minds. You got John Heacock. You got Todd Orlando. And what both of those guys are starting to do, some of the similarities, and, and it's strange. You got to go back and, and, and we can go back and track it. You know, Bill Belichick also has had some of the same adaptations in the NFL versus the Big 12 styles of offense in the NFL. The Kansas City Chiefs, when he's played them in the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles, and on the highest stage, we've seen that, right? Mm-hmm. With, uh, you know, AFC title games in the Super Bowl. And what is Belichick doing? Playing more safeties. Yeah. That's really that's the one thing he's doing more than he's like, no, no, I'm playing. They call it the big nickel. He's playing three safeties now. And not just, you know, not, and it's like, oh, we're always playing, you know, uh, five defensive backs. Yeah, but it's like not, they used to play a corner. It used to be like, no, I want another corner out there. I need a mm-hmm. corner out there because so, I, I need to cover more. But we realize now with all of the offenses designed to create these matchup nightmares specifically mm-hmm. all over. And that's what Big 12 football is all about. That's what Mike Leach eventually is going back to. He's like, no, 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 they can't match up to us in speed on the field. Eventually, like, w- you know, we'll win out. That's why we're going to pass the football more right. because we're going to take advantage of, you know, the pace. Right? Mm-hmm. Mike Leach was big on the pace. And so was you know, Chip Kelly. We're going to put as much pressure on the defense as possible, and they will break. They will break. They, they can't help it. Yes. They, they're human. You know what I mean? And like it's just when keep applying pressure. Yeah, whether it be with pace or whether it be with the scheme, whether it be stretching them out formation wise, that's why the defenses will never catch up, in my opinion. There's too many advantages now. Hell, the RPO is the latest. Well, I the mean, RPO is built on literally you. Manipulating it. You, you are wrong either way. 
No matter what you choose as a defender, you're wrong. If Mm -hmm. I choose to go for to defend the run, which, by the way, they have now manipulated the offensive line to make it look like a run. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Especially if you're a running quarterback. Right. Because everything telling me it's a run. If I react to the run, I'm wrong because he's going to pull it and then he's going to go to the pop pass or the quick slant or whatever behind me. And if I'm if I'm cautious and I decide, no, I'm going to I'm going to defend the pass here. Then he's gonna run, and it's like, well, right. and they so took I'm away all your way. keys. So my point is, there's no way defense will ever catch up. It's right. just, it's a done deal. So for my de- but, but I do believe, defense, that's what they are. But I do believe what Todd Orlando and John Heacock are doing. That's why he plays that dime. More defensive backs is gonna be the key. Athletic linebackers, the few you have on the field, because you don't want that many linebackers on the field, because that means you're at a matchup disadvantage, right. and you're gonna need defensive linemen as always have mattered tremendously. But I think now, man, the future is DBs. It's yeah. just that simple. I okay. hate to be, you know, the guy that's siding with DBs. Well, you're I'm a DB, right. But you, there's nobody that can match up to all of these different, these different uh, evolutions with the on offensive side of the ball, like DBs, because you can give Demarvin on Overshone who. Built like a linebacker, yeah. but runs like a safety. You know, I mean, you get That's a BJ Foster who covers like a corner, but hits like a linebacker. Yeah, you can't. Gary Johnson would fit. Now, Gary Johnson's perfect. Yep. Gary Johnson was a linebacker who was built kind of like a big safety, but runs like a corner. Where's he like, at? The That's Chiefs. What, That's what you got to find. Exactly, you got to find those guys. So we're getting past the, you know, the the the, the prototypical guy. I'm gonna recruit the safety that looks like this. No, no, no. You better recruit a safety that hits like a linebacker, runs like a cornerback, mm-hmm. and that has the mental aptitude of a safety that can be an air traffic controller and direct everybody. Right. I think that's going to be the key, man, going forward. I love what Todd Orlando's doing, by the way. He's all, right on it. All and the Patriots safeties, and then they have five there. Edelmans on the other side. Like <laughs> yeah. That's literally what they're countering with, and you need more safeties to cover them. you, you got to cover, cover all those. Yeah. So saying all that, we got all that. Yeah, out. sorry, that was a rant. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's offense. good stuff. Going back to Tom Herman, is Tom Herman then ahead of the game? Because when you look at his offense, it's always – when you, whether he's describing good stuff or bad stuff, it's always he's looking for that matchup. So in that standpoint, have we not given enough credit for Tom Herman that right, if the game is going where you say it's going, and if the Big 12 is kind of the experimental ground for no question, offensive yeah. evolutions yeah, at all levels is. of football, mm-hmm. then is Tom Herman not in line or ahead of the game where it's like, look, yeah, you can we can have schemes, it doesn't matter, but I'm going to win with players just because my matchup is going to be better than any blitz or whatever coverage you can throw at me. I totally agree. I yeah. think he, and that's why they, but that's why they love Lincoln Riley too, right? Because not only is Lincoln Riley big on the air raid, he's got you know the air raid philosophy as we the foundation of his blueprint. But he's big on matchups. He's big on finding you know the matchup. His running back matched up on your linebacker. It's a lot of matchup isolated offensive schemes, man. And that's I think that's where everybody's going now. That's where Matt Rules. Going. Listen, we're not an air raid conference anymore, no. but yet still people love our offense. We're not told. We used to. We, we still have the air raid, you know, the tendencies. But hell, Matt Rose not air raid, and Tom Herman's not air raid, and Matt Campbell's not air raid. But those will be the offenses that are leading the Big Twelve now because they have the quarterbacks. All right. So the Big Twelve is not only going to be the. So now the air raid's getting its its uh its mainstream debut. It's going to mm. be Cliff Kingsbury with Kyler Murray. It trust me, it's going to be successful in the NFL. Yeah. People people get on Chip Kelly and say Chip Kelly was a failure. Chip Kelly introduced the NFL to the RPO. Yeah. And, and go look at his offenses. Roster. Go look at his offenses. They, they were, were always top right. offenses. Well, and he built he, a lot of those yeah, that roster. Yeah. No, no. It takes an organization to win a championship. So he failed in other areas, yeah. trying to be a GM and relating to players and all that. But the scheme, 
Yeah. Which was we thought was going to work. The scheme worked now. Oh, yeah. The he traded worked. Nick Foles to the Rams. Everybody thought yeah. they got a great exactly. quarterback. It was well, and he didn't, he didn't account for how it would, the, you know, the pace would affect the defense and all that. And that's something that you got to bring in the GM to help you, you know, quantify. But I think the scheme, the, 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 the air raid, man, it's going to take over the NFL. It already has. But now I like the next evolution of offense in the Big 12 because I think it's matchup-based. It ain't the scheme or the air raid. It's Matt Rule and Matt Campbell and Tom Marino. And I think – Ideologically, they're very similar, right? Mm-hmm. All three of those guys. We've talked about they're that. Really, on the show, they're really, yeah. they're not that. Matt Rule and Matt Campbell and Tom Herman, what they're doing ain't that dissimilar. Lincoln Riley, I think, is doing some other stuff. Lincoln Riley's on a different level. But I think what those three, three are doing, I think it's very similar. And the, I don't know what Matt Campbell calls off as, but the pro spread, spread is basically the power spread what Matt Rule is running too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Campbell's, he likes Campbell's a spread guy, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? So I, I think— But, I mean, that's like you say somebody runs a spread. I mean, that's I know. That's kind of a generic blanket term. I mean, just about everybody runs some form of spread. Everybody's running the spread now. But, I mean, Matt Campbell ran that you know, when he was at uh, when he was, hell, when he was at Toledo. When Toledo. He Kareem Hunt. Yeah, exactly. And that was when he was running the football a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I'm with, I, think, I think the future of offense is here, but also the future of defense. That's why this is a big year for Todd Orlando. His scheme— and I know we're talking offense here, but he's going up against all these offenses. His scheme, his guys, his vision. And I want to see how he adapts. He's adapted out of necessity the last couple of years because he's had players he inherited. Now let's see what this uh, defensive genius, and I think he is a defensive genius, what he comes up with to adapt to the future of the Big 12. And I think he's thanking God it's less of the air raid because the air raid is just, he never solved it. God um, bless him. No, but nobody ever did. It's not just him. Nobody. Right. I, I think when you look at, Matt Campbell and Matt Rule both, right? I think the one thing that stands out and why those guys – look, we know Tom Herman prides himself on on fielding a physical football team. Exactly. And I think when you look at Matt Rule and Matt Campbell both in their backgrounds – and Matt Rule's got a little more diversity in his background he, than a, Matt oh Campbell God, does. amazing, yeah. But they're both former O-line coaches. Yeah. They want to run around. And we've, we, we've talked about it like – I know when Joe Wickline got hired, we talked about like the stereotypical O-line coach. Wearing, true, like, man. The, like the mm. the Voight coach's shorts with the skull can in his pocket, and right. he's probably like a Vietnam vet. And the one at the line smoked. Yeah. He smoked. He used to smoke black and miles on the field. Like yes. it was a like, lot of polyester. <laughs> like, what the? Yeah, they're, they're they're a weird breed. They're yeah. a strange breed, but they want to be physical. I'm oh, not saying war veterans are strange or anything. No, like no, that, no. But no like we you, love you war talk about like no, oh, line, line coaches, coaches are the kind are. of guys that like share war stories and oh yeah, they got you know stories for days and just. Oh no! Like you said, Some just, type of tobacco. It's, they're product. different. <laughs> they're different. It's almost like when you talk about players on a team, you're like, "Oh, the punters and kickers; those are just they can yeah. be oddball." Guys. They like, still believe that, and like Tom Herman says, "I believe the game of football is moving another person against their will." Oh, yeah, yeah, it's basic, very religious. The most with ba- them. Yeah, the most basic form of it. I believe that mm-hmm. football is moving another person against his will. That's why Tom Herman, when Sam Ellinger is running over linebackers, we're like. <gasps> Don't want him to do that. He's like, I love it. I love that. And, and Matt Campbell, I think he's a similar way. And I think Matt Rule, of course, is very similar. And, in their and I think well, Tom it's Herman's like not a, not an it is Tom Herman's not an <laughs> offensive line coach. But when you look at him hiring Herb Hand, mm-hmm. and Herb Hand was Gus Malzahn's spread guy for a long time. But if you hear, I wish people could get to go to a clinic or something to hear a Herb Hand lecture and just hear I've him heard just talk great about things it. about him. Yeah. I, last year I was at the coaching school. Where was it last year? I think it was in San Antonio, maybe, but. Herb Hand did a lecture 
It was probably like two hours, two yeah. and a half hours of him just talking point. like, yeah, just him talking <laughs> O-line. And what was great about that is like I saw, I won't name the school, but I saw a staff from one big 12 school like in the back, like a couple feet from me, like taking notes the whole time while Herb Hand's talking. Really? Like, okay. Which tells me like, okay, Herb Hand knows what he's talking about if you've yeah. got a staff from another big 12 school Respectability that's sitting taking notes. But when you hear Herb, Herb Hand talk about O-line play, like Rod, you said it's simple, like moving somebody against their will. Period. Herb, we, we can talk about the double teams and all that, but Herb Hand, the base of his philosophy is vertical displacement of the down defender. That's what you're here talking about. <laughs> yeah. move he said, back. if we at least move this guy three yards off the ball, yeah. we're at least going to gain three yards on this play. I don't give a damn if your technique is bad. I don't give a damn if you're blocking with the wrong shoulder. I don't give a damn if you're blocking him in the wrong hole. If you can move him back two yards, we good. If like, we, we good. But he's, that's, that's what he says. Like, we can talk about schemes and getting the second level and all that. If we don't get the guy closest to the ball moving that way, yep. it doesn't matter what we do. Agreed. Yeah. I, I'm with you 100%. And I think Tom Herman, at his heart, that's kind of what he wants, too. Like, in the basics of it. Like, no, that's why the power is so big in his scheme. And that's why Sam Ellinger is so big in this scheme because he is that in a nutshell, right? Like, oh, no, not flashy. All of his, well, I mean, touchdowns, 16 touchdowns all in the mm. red zone. Did he have one over 12 yards? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, 16 was his 16, longest. 16, there you go, all right? It's, it's all him. Like, just he's a grinder. He's grinding out yards. And that's Tom Herman's offense. Tom Herman versus Georgia. What was that offense? They just grinded. They didn't do it. It was nothing spectacular. Yep. It was, we third down, little Jordan Humphrey, where you at? All right, we got this. Boom. That was three yards, four yards here, a little Quarterback. swing. I'm glad there. you bring that up. Quarterback. It was just, you know, it was a grind it out. That game was more the epitome of Tom Herman's offense than I think any game we've seen so far. I'm going to grind it I'm, out, man. I'm doing, some, I'm, doing some re- <laughs> I'm doing some research on this, Rod. Do you know how many double-digit play drives, the, how many double-digit play drives Oklahoma had last year? That went oh, 10 we're talking about more. explosive offense, so they're scoring hey, not quickly. Not, I want to say not many. Not many. I'm not talking touches. about scoring drives. I'm talking about double digit play drives. Oh, okay. Period. Not even just scoring touchdowns. Yeah. Just how many I'm double gonna, digit dude, play I'm going to say so throughout the whole season. See, from per, what I can track on the school's game, website. Uh, I'm going well, to say this is through. This is not including the Alabama game. This is through their first 13. I'm going to say. Okay. I'm going to say 28. I'd go Eight. lower. Yeah. Eight. Eight. Not yeah. many. They're do you know? Yeah. Do you know how many double-digit <laughs> plays scoring? Scoring drives. Texas? Say, Probably like, Texas. Had, now I would have said like more like eight. I guess no, now no. we're going like. Or Texas has how way many, more than two. Oklahoma. We're talking you know, for, t- for OU still, right? Yeah. Double-digit scoring this drives. This is OU through their first I'm 13 games. I'm going to go with two then. Well, I don't know how many scoring drives they had, but they had eight double-digit play drives total okay, through 13 yeah. games. Okay. Do you know how many double-digit play scoring drives Texas had? Scoring drives Texas had. Oh, Up yeah. by his first number. Yeah, it's probably 23. 24. 24. Yeah, I was gonna say two a game, at least two per game around there, close to it. So they had to. That's crazy. And that's all on. Like we've yeah. talked a lot about it though, but the amount just with the plays and well, when to pace. go, and it's you dictating it, terms yeah. against the defense, and then when you got Bam Bam Sam to be able to go and move the chains, it just sort of works with the type of games we have a high success rate with those type of. It's situations. crazy. We were talking about this on a podcast I was listening to about Kawhi Leonard, and it was like one of the things that Kawhi Leonard does really well. You know, in the modern day NBA, it. Pace is a big thing, and, you know, other teams, they almost fall into the pit with the Warriors where the Warriors are shooting a lot of threes, they're shooting a lot of threes, and even if they make them, they're still falling into the Warriors' game. The Warriors want to play that pace, and the Warriors want to shoot threes, either get to the rim or shoot threes. And they said the thing about Kawhi Leonard that makes him so devastating is he disrupts that. 
either he he wants to get to the foul line, you know, he's shooting high percentage two point shots. Like he disrupts momentum more than anybody Transition else. Defense. That's why he said that's what reminds you of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan would never allow momentum to happen because he was so skilled at getting the best shot, and he would just kill momentum, either hitting a shot or getting to the foul line, which which automatically kills momentum. Or a two way guy. Or, that, or a two way guy. Because on defense play. and transition, Kawhi he can Leonard. Prepare. They said more than any player in the NBA, he stops momentum. He yep. stalls it. Mm-hmm. And the Warriors are a team. That's why they go on these runs, right? Third, you said it's, it's only a matter of time. I heard you say, Jeff, before the Warriors go on their run. The one thing you've noticed in this series, yeah. were like two runs? Yeah, not Maybe many two runs. two or three runs. Not many double-digit runs like we we're accustomed to. It's because of Kawhi. Dude, he's, a, he's, a, he's a run stopper. Yeah. He just gets the ball, and it's slow, and it's methodical, and it's, you know what I mean? And he gets it. He's just a two-pointer. And what, long shots, long rebounds. So long shots, long rebounds, boom, we're out in transition really quick. Right, and you get to the rim, boom, we're out in transition really quick. He stops all of that, and I and I think that Sam Ellinger is a moment. He's like Kawhi in that yeah. sense, where he stuffs the momentum. Like yep. you want to, you want to the, the fly, the high flying Big Twelve. We want to score fast. We want to, you know, score in less than ten plays. And yet Sam Ellinger's like, nah, we're methodical, we'll time we're grinding it out. You know what I mean? He's he's kind of anti the uh, the culture of offense in the Big Twelve, and I think that really helps Tom Herman because Tom Herman wants to control pace, mm-hmm. not necessarily push it. Yep. Just, contr- just when I want to push it, let's push it. Yep. When I want to slow it down, let's slow it down. He wants to control pace, not push it. And Sam's the perfect quarterback to, to keep your offensive offensive and keeps yeah. the defense to your defensive. Point, and this is something that I think people get twisted. When we had our discussion last week about the most valuable players on the roster, the most important players on the roster, we talk about Keontae Ingram needing to take a step forward because you don't have Trey Watson to depend on anymore. You've got a mm-hmm. young guy in Jordan Whittington. You have no idea what you're going to get from Kirk Johnson and Danny Young, and we know how important the power element is to the power spread. Yep. And one thing we talked about is probably maybe manage Sam Ellinger's carries a little bit more. Like yeah. you don't probably you probably don't need to run him. 15 times against Louisiana. Kansas. And yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. against LSU to win that game, I, I, I said this. We've we got a great discussion going on on the flagship message board right now. Uh, some LSU fans have chimed in. It's a really good discussion about the Texas LSU game. I've said Texas doesn't win that game unless Sam Ellinger runs the ball 20 times, at least. Uh, I agree with that, but I'll tell you this. I remember going up that Georgia game. I said Lil Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson had had big games for him to win, yeah. and they really didn't have big games. They were quiet games. So, but they I, made they I, made what, huge plays though, right? That's a big, big difference because what they he's saying plays, he could also I not said, have a big game. And I, have exactly. So, because Sam can have twenty rushes and end up getting forty something yards, Man, but I can matter. still see it all in the red zone being really big. because yes. that's what Bam Bam Sam does. So, I, it all depends on your definition. But, but I, I'm with you. I'm it's got to be like it's got to be like his. it's got to be like his Georgia. Go back. Can look at his the Georgia line for the Georgia like game. That too. Twenty-one carries, sixty-four yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, a lot of it's short think, yardage and red zone. All of it's short yardage um, and red zone. But, <laughs> yeah, but this but is going to be the game when you look at a game log and it's sevens for the whole first six games of the year, except for there will be a twenty-five whenever he run against the rushes against but here's, LSU. Here's what yeah, I will say with, with Sam Ellinger's carries. We we know the quarterback runs the ball a lot in Tom Herman's offense. Yeah, which is why Texas getting a commitment from Jaquinn and Jackson from Duncanville it's big. last week. Huge. The thought of Jaquinta Jackson playing quarterback in this offense, if, if it doesn't excite you as a Texas fan, you need to check your yeah. check your heart check your heart rate, that. check your blood pressure. Yeah, I agree it should that. excite you yeah. a whole hell of a lot. This is just looking at Tom Herman's time, and I went back and really looked at at, at Ohio State when when Carlos Hyde and Zeke Elliott got running, which I think we we hmm. think we're all in agreement. Keontae Ingram has a chance to be 
a championship caliber back, one of those franchise type running backs. He's yeah. got a chance to be that guy. Yeah, and we talked a lot about this past year being very similar to that year two there with that group. Mm-hmm. When Tom Herman got Carlos Hyde and Zeke Elliott running, his first year at Ohio State in 2012 was the offensive coordinator for Urban Meyer. Braxton Miller carried the ball 227 times. It's a lot of rushing yeah. attempts from your quarterback. Mm-hmm. The second year in 2013, Braxton Miller's rushing attempts go down from 227 to 171 because you had Carlos Hyde carry the ball 208 times. In 2014, wow. when JT Barrett was your primary quarterback the whole year until he broke his leg mm-hmm. late in the year against Michigan, he had 171 carries because you got 273 attempts from Zeke Elliott. Yeah. So I'm not saying Keontae Ingram has to be a 220-plus carry back. No, but you need him to ease that load on Sam. Yes, exactly. He's got to be the guy to ease the load. That's why Jordan Whittington's so big. You need, another, you need a third back to ease the load on Keontae Ingram. When you, you take know what I mean? So you basically need to ease, ease – and you need Sam's load to be, like you said, LSU, I need you to – you know, I'm going to need you. I'm going to need Bam Bam. You don't want to – Bam Bam Sam should only come out for like three or four games a year, truth be told. And I always say Bam Bam Sam is basically the – He's what uh, the Incredible Hulk is to Bruce Banner. All right, you don't want the Incredible Hulk all the time because he's gonna he's gonna wreck shop. He's gonna wreck some stuff. <laughs> yeah, it may commit some crimes. But yeah, when you watch the Avengers, like man, we need the Incredible Hulk, bro. Sorry, Bruce, we need the Incredible Hulk. Sometimes you need Sam to be the guy that is surgically taking apart a defense. You know what I mean? And being judiciously using his running ability. But every now and then, you just need that freak that's gone that that's built like a Kardashian. That's going to run downhill and run over a freaking linebacker, which honestly only three or four quarterbacks in the country probably can do that. And honestly, Sam's the only one that can do it and also be a skilled passer. I just don't see anybody else having that ability. So I'm with you. I think LSU's that game. Oklahoma might be that game. But the truth is that puts him in danger. That that's it's very risky for him to be Bam Bam Sam because all he takes is a nick on the shoulder yep. here, and we've seen he hasn't completed the entire season yet. Right. All right, so that's the that's that's the thing you gotta you gotta weigh the cost benefit analysis. I need Bam Bam Sam to beat LSU, but damn, if I if anything happens to Bam Bam Sam, all of these Big Twelve hopes and dreams and national title dreams are out the window. Yeah, right. Now. I don't think I don't think Tom Herman's gonna play it from a conservative standpoint like that though. Right. I think he's you gonna, know. I think but he's we all know that's the that truth. I'm, right. I'm giving you the real. That's the truth. Right. He hasn't he hasn't played the entire season. Of Football in four years. Right. Yeah. Going back to high school. So if you think all of a sudden you're going to run him 2015 times LSU a game, the he's going to be fine the entire season, then you are delusional. And that's why the backup quarterback is so important in Tom Herman's offense, no matter where he is, because all those things you mentioned, he used to backup quarterback everywhere he's been. Yep. And Ohio yeah. State won a national title with third string quarterback. Go to U of H, use the backup quarterback there. Even here, backup quarterback every time he's been. Hell, I want to say probably going back to Ohio State, he's probably used a backup quarterback every year as being an offensive coordinator or head coach. Yep. Uh, I, think, I think you know, he has. I think his. I think Maybe at U of H they got through that first season with just well, with they, Ward they, or whatever. No, because yeah, no, Greg, Greg Ward had the ankle injury. He missed pretty much, I think, all except like the last series or two that UConn So, obviously, game. Yeah. You, yeah. you haven't had a Kyle LSU. Postma or somebody else. Yeah. I think he'll probably go back to Rice, I think, was the last time he did it because they had multiple quarterbacks at Iowa State. It, some of that was because. But, so I think he, from, he some of it's his philosophy. Some of it's the quarterbacks that he likes the types of quarterbacks he likes, whatever it is, you can only use Bam Bam Sam sparingly, man, and when you need them. That's the point of having Jordan Whittington, Keontae Ingram, and all these other weapons. That's yep, it. and that's where that, and having the And the O-line LSU, that can help you avoid getting having to run over linebackers. Because this is the <laughs> first year that you have LSU on the front end, a team like that yeah, also, that so it's even a tougher gauntlet to go through. Now. Yeah, And then if you look at just the amount of carries, say between Ingram and Watson throwing out garbage time carries, still 327 carries with 59 targets. That's a lot of production. 
position. You can't just have Ingram absorb that. There no. has to be another bottom come up, and that's Agreed. where you get to disperse. And if you can keep him around that, say, 160, 180, where it isn't overmanaging a guy like Ingram, you can yeah. maybe have that depth that you need across the whole backfield. Yeah, that's my concern. I was talking to Kirk Bowles about that last night, actually. Me and Kirk have the same oh, yeah. uh, concerns. So, yeah. Craig Way shining bright lights on you. Craig Way, my dog. My, my radio soulmate. Oh, man. Awesome. <laughs> and that's why, in closing, as we close out this episode, the, the one thing, Rod, that I think is going to help Sam Ellinger when Bam Bam Sam has to come out is the, well, I think it's twofold, what, one, what we've been talking about with the staff additions. I think expanding the RPO game with Larry Fedora totally, yes. is huge. Big. It's going to be mm-hmm. big, man. And I think yep. Andre Coleman, what he brings to the table with the quarterback run game, like, hey, more I, know you, I know you guys like that power stretch, but here's something we did with Colin Klein because Colin Klein was a guy that he was. He, he was, had yeah. He bam. He was bam bam. I mean, right. You're right. And but you can. That's the thing with Dak. I have the same conversation with Cowboys fans about Dak. You know, you go look at the Cowboys record when they run Dak at least two or three times on design runs. It's some ridiculous record. They win like 90 percent of their games when they do that, but they don't run them a lot. But these design runs protect the quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's when he starts freestyle and where he's like, I don't know where. Because yeah. I trust Sam now. Based on his improvement last year and just taking care of the football, his body type. Too. Well, just take. Well, yeah, I do. I trust him. He's built like a Kardashian. He's like a running back at yeah, quarterback. Yeah, he, not so an he, he does have a little insulated protection, but also, listen, we saw what was his big. What was our biggest concern about Sam? Uh, his freshman year is that he turned the football over. He's careful mm-hmm. with the football, and then the biggest leap that he had his sophomore year was he took care of that. He was yep. like, "No, nah, that's not good. I, I got to take care of the football." And even in Maryland game, we saw a little bit of it, but after that, he was done with it. I think the challenge for him is going to be, Sam, we're going to run you, man. We need you to run to make our offense unique and special. But I'm going to need you to be more like Russell Wilson. You know what I mean? Less like less like Cam Newton, less like Always Deshaun aware. Watson. I need you to be aware. I need you to say, uh, I can get this first down. Is this first down worth me potentially getting hurt? Nah, you know what? Let me go on out of bounds here. It needs here. to be in your conscience. It might oh, not have ever been there. It needs to become second nature At to you. At some point, it might not have been there for him. I don't he think he was. Yeah, I think he's so used exactly. to running over people in high school. It was not a big deal. That's like, a nah, mental bro. difference. It's and like I, Tiger Woods now compared to old agree. Tiger. Body. And I think he will do it. Right. I think he will do it because I've, I've watched his maturity and growth. And as that's you, my as you've said before, Rod, when you talk about running quarterbacks, it's not about uh, – questioning your your manhood or your masculinity. It's about being a smart runner. You're responsible Vince Young was a smart runner. Never seen him get hit cleanly. No. Still, to this day, I can't recollect him getting hit cleanly. Kyler Murray's a smart runner. He is, even though he's little. You're right. Two different types. Russell Wilson, smart Smart runner. runner. RG3, dumb Dumb runner. Very reckless. Deshaun Watson, uh, unfortunately, is a dumb runner. I love Deshaun. I saw him last night. I love Deshaun. I told him, I said, I love you. Just the same way that Robert Griffin blew his with Haloti Nada. It's the same type of But When you have Jalen Smith and Late, you trying to go head up with Jalen Smith <laughs> on the sideline to get a first down? You're not gonna win that battle. You're not son. gonna win that battle, son. I love you, man, but that's just that's not you. So I just need Sam to, and I think Sam actually probably have a better chance of winning that battle than Deshaun would have against yeah. Jalen Smith. My point is, we can't we can't have you in danger, man. Like you mm-hmm. can't put yourself in danger. You gotta protect yourself more. Well, I, I, I trust Tom Herman not to go Bill O'Brien dumb and call quarterback sweep on the goal line though. Yeah. Well, with Sam, you might have to go no, and go live with will. that. That was like <laughs> our bread and butter play. <laughs> that was the one play they kept running. But I, I, this, but I was there some deception that power stretch? Not like, hey, go try to get the corner on. True. But the Wayne offensive Randers. line getting better too is going to help Sam. Yeah. Now, on, well, is it better? Is it better than it's last more, year? It's more talented. I think so. I, I, and I guess I shouldn't say but, it's better. We don't really well, have better. any. Better's one of those deals, Rod. Right? It's it's. I think it's better. It's a relative term, you know. I think it's gonna That's be right. better. Could I think be. it's gonna be better than last it's year. It's more talented, but I think you could see going into the season. And, and 
the the underrated thing, and we talked about this last week. We talked about Derek Kerstetter and his value. Mm-hmm. Most underrated thing about the offensive line, and this is part of why you know go back to like that 2005 Texas Texas offensive line. A lot of times it's luck. Like you, if your offensive line, most of the times, if you have a good offensive line, it's probably because you were injury free during the year. Mm-hmm. Good point. I agree with that. You know? Like even like as a Cowboys fan, like that, that offensive line. Yeah. Like people are like, oh, the Cowboys offensive line was great. Yeah, because everybody started sixteen games. Yeah. But you lose Travis Frederick or Tyron Smith misses a game, mm-hmm. or you start moving guys around. Well, what's wrong with the offensive line? Well, you just you just don't have all five cogs. You're not no, clicking on all cylinders. No, you're right about that. So that I was the most that. underrated thing about the offensive line last year was just. The the hole was greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah, and with the, and they they did a good job of when you do get an injury, the cross training uh, philosophy of Herb Hand that's what saved him. And that's lost your starting center for a while. It's like nah, we good. Where, like people get caught you know, up on the that Parker, was brilliant man on the Parker Braun Junior Angelo thing. It's like well Parker Braun played left guard at Georgia Tech. Junior Angelo's left guard. Like I'm pretty sure if Herb Hand decides that those are his two best guards, he's gonna figure out how to make it work. Yeah. And that's a guess. I'm not. I'm not a, worried that's about. That's a first world problem, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got two guys that can start left guard for you. Great. And that's where like <laughs> Green and the hope that the you have. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the hope you brought up about the offensive line being better this year. How Jeff just said that last year's group, which was maybe less talented, was greater than the sum of that's the true, parts. That's true. Without so Connor Williams, now yeah. if you add in talent and then can still get your say hold the sum to be greater than the parts, then that's when you get to be really good if you're adding better players to that equation. Here's going to be the difference, Rod. Nobody on that offensive line last year was bad. No. I agree with that. Everybody was at least solid. Calvin Anderson, solid. They were competent. Patrick Vahe was solid. Zach Shackelford, I mean, hell, on the AP All-Big 12 team, he was Mm first-team center over Creed Humphrey. So people saw that that he was good. Elijah Rodriguez was oh, good last I year. I loved Elijah Rodriguez's game last year. You know, Sam Cosme, freshman All-American. Yeah. I think this year it's going to depend on what do you get out of a lot of a lot of what the offensive line is, is going to depend on is Parker Braun ready? Can he handle making this massive shift from yeah. being in that Georgia Tech option offense to now you're in an NFL style offense? I think he can, but yeah, you're like, right. Does That's he a good make question. that jump? Does Junior Angelau can continue on that upward trajectory we saw him on at the end of spring? What do you get out of Denzel Okafor? No, That's who's your, who's your starting right the tackle? tackle. I was going to say who's the right tackle. What do you big. do with Kerstetter? Where yeah. where does he best fit in in all this? So I think I, I agree with you. I think it's more talented, but I think more questions it's a too. lot more on Herb Hand to figure out, okay, yeah. I've got these talented pieces where do I put them to maximize what they can do and how they can make this group really good? Can't forget how Andrew Beck was a, a, an immense, valuable piece of that offensive man. line as a blocker last year. I mean, yeah, to the point where Bill Belichick likes him. But you know what it is? <laughs> right? That's Honestly, all I need to say. Ultimate I'm just keep dropping that. that would be my, if I want a resume for Andrew Beck, like Bill Belichick. Whether we're talking about. <laughs> just whether, have that on your resume, your name and that. Whether we're talking about, you know, personnel packages mm-hmm. or formations yep. or, you know, Protect, helping Sam Ellinger or developing this offensive line or creating the right matchups. I think this is part of the reason why Tom Herman only did one-year contracts for the offensive staff. Yeah. It's like, hey, we got to go back to work. We got to go back to work and we got, okay, 2018, that was great. We got to hit the reset button because there's so many things that made this offense click in 2018 that aren't there right now. We've got to go back to work, and this yeah. is Tom Herman, I think, to the staff. We've got to go back to work and figure out, okay, with what we've got, how do we maximize this and put the best offensive product on the field? Because it's going to be different. It's going to be vastly different. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. So, 
Uh, and uh, we'll continue this next week. Next week, we'll probably pick it up and talk a little more defense. I know Rod's chomping at the bit to talk about. Those I do want to get into a little defense. I'll do some research too. Um, oh gosh, Rod's defense. going down. Rod's I'm going down a rabbit hole. a little bit, but I won't be too crazy. Uh, <laughs> You're yeah. looking forward to this. All, All right, bit, yeah. Matt. Thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome, Rod. B. Appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049-1019 AM twelve sixty streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B on the Rodcast. Each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Same as plug. You can get this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. And thanks to Matt, you can get our archives, classic interviews, classic shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. And we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.